we established a board very early on to purely give me governance because the people I had around me from very early on knew that you know, as a young entrepreneur, someone that was super passionate, it's easy for me to go rogue. For me, it's going, all right, who do I need right now to make sure that we build better systems? Or who do I need to research? Or who's the best in the business? And you know, we're a health and fitness brand, but I researched so much about McDonald's in the early stages. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of the Make It Happen Show. I'm Tim Morris, the CEO of The Entourage. And today I'm joined by Peter Hull, the co-founder and CEO of Fitstop. And it's been so awesome seeing Pete's journey because he's an Entourage alumni member and he's just doing such amazing things with Fitstop. So we, we talk about the journey a bit. We talk about how he got into franchising, which is a really interesting space for anyone that's got a business model that they want to replicate. So a lot of great lessons in there. We also talk about the importance of community and really looking after them, which is something that Pete focused on when COVID hit. Then we talk about the future of fitness and there is some really exciting stuff coming down the road uh, for the industry in general and for FitStop specifically. So I really enjoyed looking forwards and, and seeing what we should expect. So we cover a lot of fantastic ground, really enjoyed connecting with Pete. You're going to love it. Let's get into it. Pete Hull, it is awesome to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic, Tim. How are you, mate? I'm doing really well. Sun's out. Beautiful day. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, you guys have had an amazing journey at Fitstop, right? In, in six years. Now, I know these numbers are going up every single day, but I think now you're at like 11,000 members, 52 locations, way more to come. Like, What are a couple of the secrets to making all that happen? Mate, it's been an incredible journey. Uh, if, I, if I rewind back to 2014, it's actually where I was introduced into the entourage. Um, at that stage, we were 30 members, one location, a tin shed. Um, you know, we, we, we really focused on what our core offering was, what I was passionate about, uh, and we started to really organically grow the business, building it off, off systems, off process, um, mm. but probably mostly off passion in the early days. And you know, it, it wasn't until um, you know, 2017 we decided to franchise the model you know, at that stage, I had two really high-performing locations. And, and when we started to franchise, um, that's when I, I, uh, I guess I got exposed to uh, you know, uh, people, community, um, education, growth, and all the fun that comes along with that, including a lot of gray hair um, in, in a couple <laughs> of fun. years. Yeah. Um, but man, the, 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 the simple part of all of what we've done is we were able to bottle the magic. Um, we, we focused heavily on on process, especially over the last two years uh, around bringing the right people into the business at the right times. And, and we're now just starting to get some really solid momentum in Australia and, and now New Zealand. Yeah, awesome. I think that's a really interesting area to dig into. Like, yeah, every business in the early days, every entrepreneurial business is fueled by passion and chaos. <laughs> and you're kind of building something out of nothing. So, so passion's the thing that's got to get you there. Um, particularly when you go into the franchise world, though, as you have, like process is super important, right? You have to you have to bottle that magic and bottle that passion so someone else can kind of replicate it. Have there been a couple of key strategies or key things you've learned along that uh, process of systemizing the whole operation? Yeah, I think so. Look, my, my, my first, um, I guess, insight or exposure into this was doing the scalable and saleable, um, you know, uh, I guess, program in 2014. Mm. And at awesome. that stage, you know, I had 30 members. I had no idea how to run a business. I didn't know how to write a P&L. I didn't know what a marketing plan was or even brand. Um, so I was exposed to that quite early, which is, and I fell in love with business and I fell in love mm. with being able to impact more lives because I knew more about my business. Now, as a personal trainer, all you want to do is make a positive impact on other lives. Um, you know, show them a better way of becoming healthier and happier. 
you know, as we started to grow and, and scale, I guess, a franchise model and system, it becomes very different. Um, mm. you know, you're, you're growing a, a very fast-paced internal team. So the first thing we needed to focus on was what culture did we want to create in the head office team? Because at that stage, you know, our cash flow was tight. You know, resourcing was tight. So you need the right people um, in the right environment to get the right result. Um, and it was, it was very, very reliant on the passionate people that were in the business um, and it, it took time um, and I guess evolution of the business as well as, you know, resource and needing funding for resource, um, which meant, you know, raising capital and, and being able to bring more mature people into the business that had been there and done that um, to build us a really solid base. And, and that was probably the most exciting time um, you know, within our business where we started to, I guess, grow up and, and get a bit more serious about what we were doing. And it meant that my phone wasn't calling you know, 50,000 times a day because I wasn't the person that could answer it anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's great. You're in silence and you're not needed. You're like, I'm not needed. I'm not needed. This is amazing. <laughs> I know um, we, we, we've got, a, we've got a, a mutual friend, Stuart Cook, um, and he, he's a great mentor of mine. He sits on our board as our chairman. And he said to me, Pete, you'll know when we start to get the systems right that you won't be the one that people come to for the answer. Um, yeah. I can now go on a holiday and my phone does, will not ring. Um, day to day, my phone will not ring from from the franchise network, um, we've got, I've got an amazing team with an incredible skill set. Um, you know that know far more than I do about that. I get to focus on you know what we're doing to make sure we're innovating, we're iterating our product, and what's happening mm. in the next two, three, and four years in the fitness space. Um, leading a team internally um, and making sure we're just we're focused on that north star. So, yeah, it's good. That's fantastic. Yeah, Stewie Cooks, Stu's on our advisory board at the Entourage. So definitely that shared connection there. And well, maybe actually let's kind of like jump right up to that level, like getting a board in place and and the kind of rigor. And it sounds like a dirty word for a lot of entrepreneurs, but the governance that that can bring with it. Um, what are some of the advantages you've seen about establishing that, uh, the board, that kind of guiding light? Well, Matt, the, first of all, the disadvantages are is um, Stu doesn't like me road cycling and going you know, 80 kilometers an hour down a hill. Um, you know, you, you, you've got some compliance in place, but to be honest, you do need that. Um, you know, the biggest thing for me is you need that sounding board. Now, you know, we, we, we established a, a board as such, and I'll, I'll use that term as a, a loose term. We established a board very early on to purely give me governance because the people I had around me from very early on knew that you know, as a young entrepreneur, someone that was super passionate, it's easy for me to go rogue. So essentially in those early days, it's how are we steering the ship? So one, I guess we don't suffocate the passion. But two, we make sure we're constantly pushing it in the right direction um, you know, and, and we're protecting everyone at the same time. So I think that's, that's the key part when you're starting. You know, Maybe necessarily you don't need an active board and, and board meetings and minutes and, and everything that comes along with it at start, but mm. you do need that sounding board and that, that check-in system where it's like, no, no, this is what we said we were going to do and this is why we are doing it. Yeah, that accountability piece is important because for so many founders, right, you know, they're, if they're at the top of the pyramid, which they are to begin with, right, there, there isn't anyone that they're accountable to except for themselves. And so that's where a lot of the um, strategic whiplash can come from. They're like absolutely they're like a million ideas a day. <laughs> they're like, and they set off on one path and then they, and then, and then they'll change their mind, change their mind, change their mind. And the company's kind of got to follow behind them. But if you have a board, whether it's an kind of advisory board capacity, which is informal, or you actually have a formal board of directors, you know, holding the founder accountable in a sense, um, at least to those strategic directions, that's where real momentum comes from, I think. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of backtracking 
let's let's kind of bounce back a little bit, right? And I just I love that you're an alumni of the entourage, and I love that Scalable and Sailable give you gave you some of the systems and frameworks. It's fantastic. Um, so that was to first put processes and systems into fit stop when it was you know company owned. You didn't have the franchise model yet. And then you mentioned, you know, franchising is a whole other kettle of fish. Uh, tons of our audience would be interested in this, like, you know, taking that step or even before that, when do you know that you've got a business that is even franchisable? What are some of the things that you need to have in place? The truth uh, for me at that stage was I didn't know. Um, <laughs> So at, at, at that stage, we had two locations, um, both locations doing very well. Um, and, and maybe th- these were some of the, the, the signs that I was looking at was, you know, I had amazing managers in both those locations. We were following the same systems. We had the same product. We had the same experience. We were giving mm-hmm. our members the same feeling, overall feeling and getting very similar results at both. So we knew mm-hmm. we'd build something mm-hmm. quite special based off a key product that I was very, very passionate about. Yeah. Now, for me, that next step was, I want more people to do this. I'm looking at my managers and my trainers and you know they're, they're, they're earning a, a decent income. Um, they've got sustainability in the fitness space, which as a PT, starting as a PT, it's bloody tough. Mm. Um, you know, so I'm seeing all these things come together that hmm, I've been a part of this industry for a while and I've never seen this before. There's a bit of magic here. You know, at two locations, we had, you know, um, we had sponsorship and affiliations with the likes of Red Bull Australia, Chobani, um, grilled Australia and people are kind of asking me how what, how and why have we done this we're throwing huge events we're a part of Red Bull Wings for Life and and for me it was well, I just want more um, so it was either you know we, we try to keep funding locations and, and Beck my wife and I had self-funded everything until that point mm. um, we actually mm-hmm. self-funded everything until um, I think it was like 2018 or something but um, we we wanted to to work out how we could scale this, and um, you know, at that time, um, again, surrounded myself with the right people who led me in a direction to jump in the deep end, basically, and go. Well, franchising is one element. Let's go and chat to some franchise legal teams and look at what we could do to roll this out. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we started, I guess, just to test and tune. But the important part was we had a product that worked. We were creating mm-hmm. you know, an experience that mattered. Um, we knew we could scale that. I didn't know how to scale any other elements of the business. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I picked up on there is you weren't vital to the on the ground delivery in either locations. Is that correct? You had great managers in place. And so, yeah, because you're not trying to replicate yourself at that stage. No, yeah. correct. Yes. Yeah. So look, from a, from a management point of view and building systems and campaigns and all that sort of stuff, I, I was. Um, and, and again, that's why that franchising element made sense to me, because we mm-hmm. could make sure, yes, that member feeling was the same without me being there. Let's look mm-hmm. at how we can scale this and do more of it. You know, take people yeah, on the same know. journey that I went on. So you've gone from, so there's two, two studios in, the, in those early days and now you're over 50 and there's way more coming down the pipeline. What have been a couple of the kind of like big stepping stones for you? Like if you, if you think back over the last six years, you're like, oh, that was a big moment and oh, that was a big moment. What are a couple of those? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple. Um, the, the first one was jumping in the deep end and, and leasing our first space. Now that's you know way you know b- before 2014. I think it was 2013. It was you know I was a personal trainer. I was training athletes. The gym I was at closed down. Um, I jumped in the deep end, rented our own space. Uh, my wife sold her car to fund the gym equipment, and we just got started. So I'm very big on just just jump in the deep end, back yourself, start before you're ready, have a crack. Um, yeah, yeah. I quickly learned that I didn't know anything about business. I joined the entourage. 
you know, we then started to evolve, right? Outside of that, the next big step was jumping in the deep end and franchising. Probably didn't scare me that much, to be honest. Um, Probably the big milestone, you know, there's probably two more big milestones that came. The first one was raising capital for the first time. Um, It was obviously, you know, as a founder and majority shareholder, it was going through the process of learning what dilution meant, meant, Mm -hmm. um, what it meant to raise capital, um, you know, a a six or nine month process to go through that, um, you know, building pitch decks. And and again, fortunately, because we had built a, a pretty solid base from day one and I had great people around me, going to market wasn't as hard as it probably could have been. Um, mm-hmm. So we're in a great position. We raised money. You know, all of a sudden, we, we, we ran on the smell of an oily rag to having you know, a bunch of cash you know, in, in the bank account. And it's called, what's the next strategic steps? And for me, it was mm-hmm. hiring the right people and investing in technology. I, for mm-hmm. me, it was about member experience and the tech we were using, the payment gateways and uh, no disrespect to the fitness space, but it was very dinosaur in the way it was billing and overbilling and locking people in and all that sort of stuff. So we, we went on um, a, a bit of a journey to then going, okay, we're building our own member experience through technology, payment gateways, onboarding, all of that sort of stuff. We're hiring resources. Um, we, we hired in key leadership team. So a COO, Alan Myers, who had come from another fitness brand. Um, we, we, I started to let go a lot of the daily operation in office then, um, and really start focusing on that kind of product and innovation and how we could grow the business. Uh, COVID hit. Um, fortunately, we backed ourselves, rebuilt um, all of our technology. We had gone through a brand refresh. So COVID for us in the first month, we pushed play on all of our technology. We launched FitStop at Home, um, which was part of our new technology, fortunately. Um, 80% of our members actually re-signed onto our new platform. So we didn't have to do data migration um, worry about kind of transitioning from one platform to another. Everyone re-signed their membership onto our new platform. We'd launched FitStop at home and the brand refreshed digitally at all locations within four days um, of being shut down through COVID. We made sure we focused heavily on um, the fact that we would look after our community. So I said to the network, mm. we were doing Zoom calls every morning with every owner. Um, what we want to be known for, whenever it is COVID storm lifts, we want to be known for the fact that we took care of our community. That's our number one thing, right? So onboarding our member, making sure that we stay connected, we're reaching out, we're providing an amazing product and experience. We're doing the right thing um, by everyone around us. Now, obviously, there's, there's pain points, there's frustrations, and there's emotions through all of that, but I'm really proud of how the network, um, I really guess, really came together and, and we really stood out as a business in Australia. Um, yeah. Outside of that, the, the, I guess the last one for me, um, and I'm sure you've got 50,000 questions around all this stuff, but the big milestone for me was um, you know, we, um, we took on a new strategic partner um, only a couple of months ago now, um, and that was Lift Brands Global, um, Lift Brands Inc. Um, you know, they own Snap Fitness, Nine Round, uh, a couple of other businesses globally. They're based in the US. Um, they came on board and, and, uh, and made an investment in us um, to focus on not Australian growth, but our international growth. And that will really start to come into play in the next uh, 6, 12 and 18 months, um, yeah, as long as we, we, we keep trending this way. Great. Yeah, I definitely have tons of questions about all of those things. And, and also, and maybe may a comment, right? I love, I'm sure you had to launch FitStop at Home and the new branding and the app far faster than you were planning on doing it. So well done. Um, I love that you focused on servicing or serving the community, right? And I think that's a very, that's a founder-led kind of attitude. I, I think um, entrepreneurial businesses with a founder that's really, really in tune with their community will make those kind of decisions. Um, but, but you know, I think it's the sort of thing that you lose as a business gets bigger. 
so I just I wanted to comment on that. I think that was like well done, very like in tune with your market. And I would encourage anyone listening. It's like if you are going through any challenging period, like put the customer first, make those decisions that are better for them and ultimately better for you. you I'm sure you've seen the benefit of that. Have you had great feedback from the community? What have they said? Yeah, look um, to us. We did um, we did a customer engagement session last night with Product and Innovation. We invited um, some of our members on board to do a live Q and A with me and um, one of our research companies. We had 60 of our members jump on that um, had been with us for, I think it was over six months. And the amount of feedback they were giving us, the amount of inter- integration just into the business and how in tune they are with our product and passion, you know, it was incredible. Um, you know, for me at the time, yes, commercially, none of the decisions I made actually lined up. Um, you know, there was a lot of tough conversations, not only with the board, internal teams, you know, obviously, you know, our franchise partners, our business owners, but I knew it was right um, and I do get quite stubborn at times um, when I believe in something strong enough. Um, yeah, just ask back my wife or my mum, you know, arrogant, stubborn, passionate, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I, I knew it was the right thing um, you know, and we just pressed play on it. So, and, and again, it was for us looking back now, it was definitely a pivotal moment where we, didn't, we weren't standing out from the crowd at all before that. We weren't at a mature size. We hadn't mm. nailed the brand. Um, but because we put the customer first, we went loud and proud with it. We changed a lot very quickly. We were, I think, one of the first, if not the first, franchise gym chains to launch launch an at-home system within an app um, you know, mm. within a week. So um, super proud of making those decisions and very proud of our internal team for putting up with the pressure I put them under as well. There was um, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of sleepless nights in those first couple of weeks. They're like... That's great. It's all about the community. What about us? You're like, we'll come back around. We'll come back around. I also love the uh, yeah the paradox here of the uh, you know we're talking about how great it can be to have a board to help hold you accountable, but at times where you're like, no, no, I just want to do this, then the board can certainly be uh, potentially putting a handbrake on there. I'm glad you uh, got it through. <laughs> so that was um yeah definitely wanted to comment on that. Um, I'd love to hear more about the the new partnership right with Lift um Lift Brands. Like how like how do you even go about creating something like that how did how did the conversation unfold and and how did that develop yeah look i've um i i've always been really uh i guess um inquisitive in what's next um and and i love reaching out to people again one of the other things that entourage um i learned very early on was the price of a coffee is invaluable to the right person so um you know i reached out to the likes of don from Domino's. um you know i've had one one catch up i got a pizza with him in a large group i'm i'm trying again so if anyone knows don tell him i i definitely want that coffee um <laughs> yeah uh, but for us i was looking at what's that kind of um i guess that next season for us and that next season was aligning with um i know on our trajectory uh, on the base level of business we've built right now in the next couple of years we're definitely a household name in australia um, but we need to start thinking about what's next for us, what opportunities are presented to themselves and who I would love to chat to. Um, and it was as simple as that, to be honest. Like, obviously, I had a lot of support from Stu and we were going to market on a wide level at that time anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But I asked people for coffee. So I spoke to a number of people in the fitness space itself that had run larger global franchise networks. Um, I started having coffees and I just started to talk about what we were looking for, where we were going, and if that aligned with them in any way. And I always start the conversation not by asking if they'd like to be involved, asking for advice and suggestions on what I need to think about, who I need to speak to, what questions I should ask. And look, I had a good friend of mine introduce me um, to Chris, who's the the CEO of APAC um, Lift Brand. Um, had a coffee with him. 
um, kicked off conversations that turned into some deep diving in working with their international team, um, you know, doing a session with their global um, CEO, uh, Ty, and when he was over here for Christmas, um, jumping deep into some DD and, and, and really understanding that for both companies, the, the vision and direction really aligned. Um, and for our, I guess, bigger picture vision of becoming that international brand, you know, the synergies really aligned with what they had already set up. And, and that's the hard part about, I guess, growth when we're getting to our stages to take that next step and launch internationally. There's, you know, two, three or four years worth of, of DD and setup and network and, you know, everything that we've created here. Whereas if we can leapfrog that with the right people, um, you yeah. know, have those contacts, have those base and, you know, have the, have the intro to, you know, the head of Stripe or the, you know, the, the, the right legal team to talk at New Zealand. And, and that's, that's mm. how it's actually played out. It's, it's been an incredible partnership today. It's, 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 it's a, all about support. It's all about growth and uh, nothing about restrictions. So I love it. Yeah, no, <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, Stu is awesome at building networks and just reaching out to people and he just seems to know absolutely everyone. And um, yeah, I think he, I think he's probably suggested to me similar things, just reach out to say, you know, want to get your input on something, you know, to start, start the conversation going pretty naturally. I also had Gabby Leibovich on the show here, the founder of our co-founder of Catch for Day. And he's really big yeah. on um, always keeping relationships with your frenemies, right? Yeah. People who at first may seem like a bit, it's a competitive business, maybe not competitive, but same industry, maybe the same pies, like get in there. Build relationships because that leads to great things. So well done there. Well done. Um, before we jumped on, you are talking about how it's really time for you guys to step up, right, and, and, and really go to the next level. And obviously doing a partnership like this is, is one of those big steps. But but what else is ahead? Like what's coming up? What are you getting excited about? Yeah, look, we're, um, we're, we're diving deep into te- the technology space. Um, so for me, a big focus is technology and brand, um, but more from a global level, where do we need to get to, to be able to enter into a market, to be able to scale um, anywhere in the world, um, how we can deliver the same experience anywhere in the world. So we know from a, from a product piece, from a member experience piece in a location, we've nailed that, but how can we enhance it? Um, and how can we really be known uh, for what FitStop's really about? And for me, it's, um, you know, the functional fitness space, is an incredible space to be in right now. I think for the functional space, this is the time to shine. So for me, it's been a be- been quite aggressive around, you know, FitStop is the home of functional fitness. Um, this is what we want to be known for. This is what we want to support people with. Um, we get real, pe- real people, real results. We focus on data collection. We focus on collaboration. We focus on community. Um, so it really is our time to step up and to be known. Um, you know, firstly, you know, we have to conquer Australia. So at a national level, Um, but absolutely um, at an international level. Hi, everyone. I just wanted to jump in here to let you know if you're enjoying this episode, it doesn't need to stop here. We've taken this episode plus all the other episodes and also video footage from the interviews and made it available for free. There's also a bunch of fantastic guides, tools and resources you can use to grow your business. To grab those tools, just go to www.the-entourage.com forward slash podcast. Right, let's get back into the show. I'd love to dig into the technology side a little bit more. Like, what are some of the innovations that are coming down the line? Like, what are some of the stuff that you guys are doing or even what you see over the next horizon? So from, um, I guess, at a business level, we know data is super important, right? And at a base level, what your P&L says your business is doing is, is usually areas that are highlighting strengths or weaknesses. Um, you know, so so I, I, I take it probably the next step from that. So your P&L says one thing, but again, with that customer in mind, 
the customer really dictates what your P&L's output is. So mm. we're really focused on collecting human performance data to dictate how our business is doing and what we need to tweak and change in our business. So rather mm. than going, these are the outputs and this is the financials and maybe this is some operational changes we need to make, we can go, you know, we're really lucky. We're a health and fitness company. I know that the fit stop that you go to, Tim, you're getting this result, which is followed by this and your heart rate says this and you're lifting this. You're in a progressive state. You're going to stay on with us. And if I can mm. look at your data and then the power of franchising, we get to benchmark everyone and go, well, you in your location is doing this and you're above average or maybe average, but the average in a different location is doing this. So mm. we've got some discrepancies here and we need to work on that, which will mean that will equal a better output on your P&L. So data mm. science, um, analyzing human performance, data collection, syncing with wearables, that yeah. is the world that I'm currently living in and loving. Yeah, that is awesome. There's so much stuff you can do with that. There's like gamification that you can lay on it. You can, you know, uh, sites against sites, competitions, movements. But I also really love how you're um, trying to connect that through to your actual performance, business performance. That's really interesting. For me, you know, franchising is one element. But if I, if I looked at just the franchising industry as such, you know, it, it, there's not a great deal of innovation. You know, Domino's do it really well. Um, Chick-fil-A in America do it really well. Guzman and Gomez are doing it quite well. But if you just focused on bricks and mortar business, then that's, that's an area that you'd probably find yourself in trouble in the next three to five years. So, yeah, um, yeah we, we, we build communities. We get people results. That is, that's a super interesting space. What about stretching even further, right? Is there, is there some technology and innovation over the horizon or two horizons away that you think that's going to come into the fitness industry that people are only really just starting to imagine? Yeah, I think, um, I, I think there's a lot that's starting to happen. Um, I genuinely believe that fitness is majority about feeling good about yourself and that does tie into human connection. So although we are a hybrid model and we do a lot of at-home stuff, we still absolutely focus on building human connection face-to-face -face in our bricks and mortar businesses. Mm -hmm. That's my absolute focus. I think because of the transition and the pivot that it globally the fitness space has had to go to, I think there's some big players in the space that have thrown all their cash at an at-home system and service. So I think mm -hmm. there's going to be a huge opportunity for in-person in the next three to five years. Um, I think elements of the at-home system coming into bricks and mortar business is going to be quite interesting. So the yeah. likes of you know, mirror technology where you can watch your form and technique and be analyzed uh, through AI and BI rather than a trainer. Um, yeah. That's quite interesting. Um, you know, but uh, I genuinely think that um, at a base level, human connection needs to be number one. Um, product innovation, technology experience that's what th this world is going to uh, really focus on, I guess, in that fitness space. Yeah, I think that's one of the um, one of the key takeaways I encourage a lot of business owners to to take from the whole COVID situation is it's like it's forced us through tons of new ways of working. So all the at home systems and all the rest. But then we're going to get back to some things are coming back, right? And the human connection is so important. Like for us, for our community, it's about bringing entrepreneurs back together. That's coming back. But so how do you go back to some of the old ways of doing things? But but bring with you all the innovation that was forced through the COVID period. And, and you've just talked through that beautifully. I have a great image in my mind of these super sci-fi exercise mirrors and showing you your form. That would be, that would be amazing. But doing it next to someone that you know, or you trust, you're building a good relationship with. All right. We've got um, we've a couple more questions here that neither of us have seen. We call it make it happen in a minute. Uh, we go through these in 
you know, reasonably rapid pace. There's no real cool. time pressure though. Ready to make it happen? Let's do it, mate. All right. Question number one. Oh, we haven't even actually touched on this part of your history, but we can now quickly. It's in another life, if you could have been a professional athlete in any other sport other than motocross, what would it have been? Cycling. Yep. I, lo- I love cycling. Um, you know, it, cycling or uh, Ironman, um, absolutely. Yeah. Is it just the cannonballing down the hills that you love, or is there like more to it? I think in general, I love two wheels. Um, yep. I love yep. being in control without being in control. And uh, yep. yeah, I, I love the adrenaline rush that you can get. And uh, I, I guess the other thing is you, you're only responsible to yourself in that time. You only have yourself to blame um, for your performance, your ability, your accidents, all that sort of stuff. All right, question number two is what is something you think everyone should do at least once in their life? Tim, I think um, for me it was uh, something that's going to take you so far out of your comfort zone, you're so scared to do it or you don't understand even what's going to happen next. And for me, it was actually doing a Tony Robbins course. So um, I I went to a Sydney event and then my wife and I got sold the dream of this whole package with Tony Robbins. And it was this full immersion. We went to Fiji and we did a, a health and wealth detox for, I think it was six days or seven days or something. And I was super skeptical going into it, um, really nervous about it. But going through the health element of it, where you're doing a complete detox, um, it was completely foreign to what I even know being in my industry. And it really shook me to the point where I couldn't sleep for a couple of days. Um, I really need to change a number of my patterns and I learned a lot. But it doesn't have to be Tony Robbins. It doesn't have to be a certain mentor. It, something that you are going to sign up to that you just don't have any understanding about, that you are super uncomfortable and it's going to drastically, like life-changingly shake your life, hopefully for the better. Because that's what it did to me. Absolutely. I lost like seven kilos. I couldn't sleep. I broke out in well. So it was a mess. It was a mess. Oh, sounds fantastic. <laughs> Like, like, honestly, life-changing. Um, and, you know, you, whether you buy into Tony Robbins or not, again, for me, it's always taking small elements of everyone you come into contact with along your journey and then being able to apply it to yourself. And, yeah, it was it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the main takeaway I get for is, like, push yourself out of your comfort zone because that's where progress comes from. All right, question number three. Um, oh, that's a great question. What part of the fit stop journey has been the scariest for you? The scariest, um, and it's probably um, to your point before about living on the edge, the scariest experience for me has been the night that Australia got shut down through COVID um, and feeling like, I remember sitting there on the edge of my bed, I was living in an apartment at the time looking out, we were watching it on news, Uh, Beck and myself were watching it on news, I just walked into the room and sat there, she came in, she said, what are you going to do, how are you feeling? And I said, this is, sounds really terrible. I feel like I just watched, you know, my son or daughter get get hit by a car. Like that's mm. how I feel. I, I just feel like mm. I've got everything just got taken away from me in a matter of seconds. I've got so much responsibility to all of our owners, all of our members. Um, you know, for us personally, I just need a minute. I remember my phone mm. just going off. It wouldn't stop ringing. Mm. Um, you know, everything from Stu to members to everyone in between. And I just needed a minute. Um, but that was that was me living on the edge to go, okay, cool. This is now what we're going to do. Um, and I'm going to just run run full pelt at it. So Yeah, we're good. Yeah, I, I definitely know how you would have felt then. Uh, the great news is, though, it's like whatever comes down the road from here on, like it's going to pale into insignificance. 
You're like, yes. ah, <laughs> we handled this. Well, yeah, and I think, look, I think um, a lot of us needed that element of resilience, you know, like mm. we needed a bit of a shake-up um, for sure. And I think, I think it's going to put, hopefully, you know, when everyone comes out of this and, you know, uh, Victoria right now, um, you know, New South Wales, like you guys are doing incredibly tough and uh, I feel for everyone there, you know, we try to connect with our owners there as much as possible. Um, but what, you know, what, what I'm seeing and learning from the guys in Victoria, our owners, is just incredible. It, cha- it makes me change the way I think every single day still and I'm not even personally experiencing it. So, mm. um, yeah, I think everyone will absolutely be stronger when we do come out of it. Yeah, so silver lining again. All right, question number four. <laughs> what is one unhealthy thing you like to indulge in once in a while? So I think the, it's in air quotes, so it doesn't have to be too unhealthy. <laughs> hey, um, look, ice cream for me is my go-to. Um, I love ice cream. I love gelato. I, it's 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 a weekly thing, honestly. Um, outside of that, my emotional eating um, is is banana bread. If I'm eating banana bread, I need I need a. I'm having a good hard think about a few things, and I'm just cooling off a little bit. I'm sitting there most of the time. I've got a walking Archie, my little cavoodle. Um, yeah. Yeah. So ice cream or banana bread is kind of me. I'm, I I you know, don't drink a lot. Um, I I train every day. Um, I try to stay relatively healthy and fit, and I guess you know be the brand. So, but yeah, ice yeah. cream is yeah. for sure. You, I'm sure you earn your ice cream and your banana bread. I love that you know that you have like a a food that will help you think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, question number five. If someone wanted to take their business growth to the same level that you have now with FitStop, what's one piece of advice you'd give them to help make it happen? Surround yourself with the right people at the right time mm-hmm. and know where you need to be next mm-hmm. is probably the biggest piece of advice. And I know it's quite broad, um, but for me, it was very much I needed to be on. I needed to be on my own journey. Um, I needed to be really self-aware. I needed to be coachable, and I needed to understand who that was that I needed that coaching from in that time for that reason. And then at the same time, who that is next, and just keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that. And if you can keep repeating that, then you know that's, that's where I am today. Um, reason, season, or a lifetime. Stu taught me that. Um, so everyone's in your uh-huh. life for a life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Um, and I, I live by that. Um, yeah. So yeah, that would be my one piece of advice. Wicked. And a follow-up question for me on that is like, how do you know who the right person is at the right time? How do you figure that out? I think for me, it's um, uh, it's identifying what stage you're at in the business, and and that's um, again by learning you know from amazing people. But are you at the base of the business where it is all about you know systems, processes, um, understand understanding, identifying what your brand is, um, getting the fundamentals right? Then that next step is. How do we elevate all of that? How do we take a few more risks? How do we be brave? And then how do we work towards being world-class? Um, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's going, all right, who do I need right now to make sure that we build better systems? Or who do I need to research? Or who's the best in the business? And you know, we're a health and fitness brand, but I researched so much about McDonald's in the early stages. There was a cheeseburger, a hamburger, and it was a three-step process. This is what we did. This is how we scaled. And you can see, you can read all about it, where they messed it up and where they got it right. So how are you building your hamburger in your business? And then how are you going to start to add the fries and the experience and the technology and all that sort of stuff as it kind of comes along with it? Awesome. What an amazing analogy for a functional fitness business, but I think you absolutely nailed it. (laughs) So Pete, it's been awesome to have you on. I mean, I love that we've been able to play a very, very small role in your journey. I mean, there's so much credit to you and what you've achieved. And I think you've really, um, yeah, I love it how you mentioned it's like you had to go on your own journey and you've certainly done that, but then you've brought the right people along and I'm really glad it's showing off. And I'm also really excited about what's ahead for you. So thanks for coming on, mate. 
May, thank you very much, Tim. Um, I will keep you in the loop as we keep going. 100%. I'll be watching very keenly. Thanks, mate. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Make It Happen show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And it doesn't need to end there. We've actually gone and grabbed a whole bunch of extra resources for you. Behind the scenes footage, videos from this and all the other episodes, as well as show notes that you can grab for free. Just head along to www.the-entourage.com slash podcast and you can grab all those extra resources. Thanks for tuning in and I cannot wait to introduce you to our next guest on the next episode.